you have your Bibles with you this evening, I want you to go with me to Genesis chapter one. What we're gonna do is just lay a bit of a foundation and then we're gonna build from there. Caleb, I'm gonna ask you to come up a bit later on. Let's read verse 26 and 27. So it's Genesis chapter one, verse 26 and 27. Again, Holy Spirit, we invite you. Lord, again, we pray that you'd give to each one of us a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Lord, we thank you that your word says that the unfolding of your word brings light, that it gives understanding. And so, Father, we thank you that you would unfold your word, that you would unfold your ways before us, Lord. That as we see your word, that we would see you. As you open up your word to us, it should open up your heart to us. That we would know you more and more and more. So again, we just welcome the spirit of Christ, the great teacher, the spirit of understanding. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Genesis chapter one, verse 26, 27 says this, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And so it says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And so we see three times in these two verses that mankind, you and I, the human race, Adam and Eve, the mother and father of us all, firstly, is that we were made in the image of God. What does that mean? If you think of God, last week we, we mentioned a couple of verses in the, in the morning where it says that God is light, right? And in Him, there is no darkness at all. The Bible says that God is perfect in all of His ways. And so we see this unadulterated being in whom there can be not even one ounce of corruption, not one ounce of, of scandal or deceit or thievery or anything like it doesn't exist in his being. He is pure purity. He is absolute light and wholeness. And so when he created Adam and Eve in this moment, in the Garden of Eden, that's how he created them. You and I have the unfortunate case of being born outside of the garden. And so we are very aware of the frailties of mankind. We swear, we get irritated, we lie, we cut off the taxi driver, we kick the dog, we do all these things because there's this thing inside of us and we'll see just now that came into man through the fall. But when God created Adam and Eve, first of all, what I want us to know, what I want us to understand is that they were made perfect in every way. In their bodies, they were, they were perfect. There was no such thing as sickness in the garden. There was not even an allergy. No sneezing, no coughing, no pain. Oh, my back's a little bit sore. Oh, my, my leg's a little bit cramped because I've been walking around too much in the garden. That didn't exist in the garden. They were perfect beings, spirit, soul, and body. And that's the second point that I want us to bring across. Is, and it's, it's, it's like for me, this is always very fascinating. Is that 
God, we made in His image, right? And so what is the makeup of God? The Bible tells us He's a triune being. We see it right there in Genesis chapter one. It says that God is Father, He is Son, and He is the Spirit. A three-part being, yet one. And so man made in his image, and you can, if you take your notes, you can reference this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. It says the exact thing I'm saying, is that we as man made in the image of God, we are also a three-part being. We are spirit, we are soul, and we are body. And so God created Adam and Eve like him. Spirit, soul, and body, a three-part being with each part perfect. Each part not lacking in any way, not lacking in the realm of his spirit, not lacking in the realm of his soul, his mind, the will and the emotions, not lacking in any way in his body. This is what it means when they were created in the image of God. But we know what happens, right? We step on to the next chapter and the snake comes to deceive Adam and to deceive Eve and they fall. And so Romans chapter five references this and it's very important that we understand what happened in that moment. And so in Romans chapter five, verse 12, it says this, therefore talking about that exact moment when Adam and Eve disobeyed God, when they ate of the fruit which God asked him not to eat of, this is what happened. It says, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin. And so death spread to all men because all sinned. I read again. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man. So sin didn't exist prior to that moment. When they disobeyed, says yeah, sin came into the world. And hot on its heels, when sin came in, death came too. And so we, we read throughout the, God, throughout the Bible that, that the, the, the wages of sin is death, the Bible tells us. And so we begin to see death with this idyllic, I don't know if that's the right word, um, this beautiful picture of paradise where everything is perfect, everything is serene, everything is whole, everything is beautiful, everything is lovely. Suddenly we see death come in and paradise is torn up. And these, these perfect beings begin to experience death First of all, in their spirit, then in their bodies, but even in the realm of their soul, even in their minds. And we see this in Genesis chapter three, verse 10. If you'll go with me there. Genesis chapter three, verse 10. Well, let's read from verse eight. And it says this, and they heard this, this is talking about Adam and Eve. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the, of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden. And listen to this. And I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Where did this fear come from? It wasn't there before. When sin came in and death came, death came, what I wanna see, it came to, this, to the realm of the soul, 
What is the soul? The mind, the will, and emotions. And so from this point, we see fear, we see anxiety, we see depression, we see schizophrenia, any kind of mental illness that you can think of is a result of what happened in this moment. That, and it's so important to, 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 to remember this, that the three-part being was affected, was affected. The body, the spirit, but then also the soul. And so we know the story of redemption, right? However many years later, Jesus comes to restore man. He comes to, to bring man back to the garden, to, to bring us back to that state of being of Adam and Eve. But what I want us to see is that He didn't just do it to save our spirit. He didn't just do it to heal our bodies, but He did it to restore our soul to everything that was undone by Adam and Eve. Everything that, they, that, that became corrupted through sin and death, Jesus comes to restore. Jesus comes to bring life. In Romans chapter five, verse 18, it says, as death came through the one man, so, excuse me, so life comes through Jesus Christ. And so Jesus came, He said it Himself in John chapter 10, verse 10. The devil comes to, and that's what we see, right? It's like, shucks, it's exactly what happened in the Garden of Eden. The devil came to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And He did exactly that. And here we see this, the, the last Adam coming to undo the works of the enemy. He says, no, but I have come that you may have and that you may enjoy life in abundance to the full until it overflows. And that life, we'll often say it, you'll hear it, it's spiritually, socially, mentally, physically, and financially. Jesus doesn't just give you a ticket to heaven and then leave you to suffer on earth. And we know this well. We know that He heals our bodies. But what I wanna tell you this evening is that He heals your mind too. And that you don't have to live with anxiety. You don't have to live with fear. You don't have to live with depression. It's not just saying, oh, just deal with it and then I'll see you on the flip side. That's not what he's saying. Jesus came to restore the whole man. And so I want us to go to Isaiah chapter 53. And I want, to see something, I want us to see something very interesting. Isaiah chapter 53, verse four and five. So the passage of Scripture we all know very well. So it says this, Surely He has borne our griefs, some translations will say sickness, and carried our sorrows or pain. Yet we esteemed Him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon Him was a chastisement that brought us peace, and with His wounds we are healed. Very interesting, that word grief it's the, it's the Hebrew word chala or something like that. And it actually means, as it talks about anxiety, disease, grief, and sickness. And so surely He has borne our griefs doesn't just apply to my body. It actually applies to, and, and it literally says there, anxiety. So that word can be translated, yes, He bore my sickness, but surely He has borne my anxiety. The next word there, sorrows, is, is the word makab. 
And it means physical pain, but also mental pain. It talks about what it says there, to be full of sorrow. And so we see Jesus died on the cross, the finished work of the cross. Then when we take, the, we take communion, right, the blood that was shed, the body that was broken is for my mental well-being. Not just for my ticket to heaven, not just for healing in my body, but that I would be whole, spirit, soul, and body. He takes us back and He brings us to the Garden of Eden. That's, that's the, that's the you know, Pastor Craig spoke about the wholeness of salvation, right? The fullness of salvation. This is it. That the, the fullness of God, the fullness of His life oozes in and through my entire being. That I'm well in every area. This is salvation. This is gospel. This is what Jesus died for. This is the price that He paid that I would be well here, here, and wherever your spirit is, somewhere around, I don't know. Someone always pointed your stomach. I'm like, is it over there? Anyway, that I would be whole in every area. We see this even, or you see this desire even in the nature of the Father. And so if we go to Psalm 23, verse three, starts off there, verse one says, the Lord is my shepherd. That's a redemptive name of God. It means Jehovah Ra. It's Ra, I think, something like it. Jehovah Ra. And so we see even this name of God and we see the preceding verses, we see the nature of God and His desire for mankind. When He says this in verse 23, He restores my soul. That word to restore means to go back to how things were before. And so here again, we see the Garden of Eden he comes, the nature of the Father, the desire of the Father is that He wants to take us back in the realm of my soul, in the realm of my mind, in the realm of my thinking. He wants to take me back to this place of paradise. He wants to take me back to this place of perfection where there is no anxiety, where there is no stress, no fear, no depression. And it might sound like that's very far out, but it's actually very close. And it's very real. And it's accessible now. Jesus has already done it. That's the thing. We don't have to wait for Jesus to die so that I can be rid of my anxiety. I don't have to wait for Jesus to die that I can be rid of my sorrows. He's already died 2,000 odd years ago. The work is already done. He's already paid the price. Just take it. Just receive it by faith. It's not a thing that we have to work up or work out. It's just, it's there. It's done. It's for us this evening. I want us to go to two scriptures. The first one is in Luke chapter 17, verse 20 to 21. The other one's in Romans chapter 14, verse 17. So in Luke chapter 17, We're going somewhere with this. In verse 20, it says, Being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them, The kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed. Nor will they say, Look, here it is, or there, for behold, or there, it says this, For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. 
Some translations say the kingdom of God is in you. Now I want us to read another passage of scripture talking about the kingdom and it's in Romans chapter 14, verse 17. And these, these, these points that we're, gonna pull, that we're gonna pull out of here, these are change agents. They are, they are agents to bring a restoration of the soul. And so in Romans chapter 14, verse 17, it says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and of drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So what is the kingdom? The kingdom is righteousness. The kingdom is peace. The kingdom is joy. Where is the kingdom? In me. See, he's already done it. He's already deposited peace inside of me. He's already deposited righteousness. He's already deposited joy inside of me. And it's just something that I need to open up, something that I need to access. Peace is available right now. That's what I'm saying. It's not something that's there. It's here. It's right now in the, in the moment. If we look at the Old Testament definition of peace, we will know it's a word called shalom. And what that means, it talks about a welfare. It talks about a, a completeness. But it also means a, a soundness of mind. And so in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, if you'll go with me there, Paul also writes about the soundness of mind. And he says this. Okay. Anyway, that's the wrong scripture. But it says this. Maybe someone's got the right reference. We have not been given a spirit of fear unto bondage. He says this, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. So a sound mind is this. A sound mind is having thought processes based on the wisdom and clarity that God imparts. I read again. A sound mind is having thought processes based on the wisdom and clarity that God imparts. And furthermore, it says this, rather than being manipulated by fear and anxiety. That's what a sound mind is. In other translations, it says self-control. We spoke about it briefly this morning, where you, through Christ, you have authority over your thoughts. You're not a slave to your thoughts. You're not a slave to anxiety. You're not a slave to fear. See, the thing with fear, it's, it's, it's irrational. It brings confusion. It's, it's, it stirs up vain imaginations. If you've ever known someone who, who's experienced trauma in a certain way, let's say a car accident, and this person is now, I've actually met a person like this, they, don't, they no longer want to drive. They drive, they drove, sorry, they had an accident and they stopped driving. Why? Because of fear that it would happen again. And so what fear does, it, it works this, this thing up inside of it and it's not real. That's why it's called a vain imagination. And so I allow this vain imagination to dictate my life, to, to speak these things in my mind. It says, if you sit behind the wheel again, 
you are going to have an accident again. And so, you know, I try and I come and I sit and just, this thing starts speaking to my mind, speaking to my mind, and I just, I can't do it. And so it dictates to me how I'm supposed to live. But a sound mind, a mind of self-control is free from the influence of fear. It's free from the influence of anxiety. And this is what Jesus paid for. This is the restoration of the mind. This is the restoration of the soul. As we go through this life, things happen to us. We get hurt. People hurt us. People say things that are ugly about us. And they, they impact the realm of our soul. I mean, some people who are like 50 years old, 60 years old, when they were five, their teacher called them stupid. The teacher called them fat, or the children said you're ugly. And they never dealt with that. And it caused a, a low self-image. It caused anxiety and just these vain imaginations. And they walk with it their whole life. And it's actually, it just becomes like a, a debilitating disease that they allow to, to, to dictate their lives. But this is not gospel. This is not Christ. This is not what he paid for. This is not what he died for. Every word that has come against you, every traumatic experience that has dictated your life and your decisions. Maybe you don't wanna travel to certain places. Maybe you don't wanna drive in certain places. You don't wanna be with certain kinds of people because something happened. He washes it away. The peace of God. Bible says the peace of God which surpasses understanding. Guards your heart. I love that. Guards your mind. In other words, it puts like a garrison over where these thoughts can no longer penetrate my, the realm of my thinking and the realm of my soul. This is peace. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 says, Unto us a son is born, unto us a child is given. His name shall be Wonderful, Counselor, Everlasting Father, Mighty God, Prince, of peace. This is who Jesus is. Wherever he goes, and I love it, you see it in the Gospels, often he would walk into a place and say, peace, be still. Peace, be with you. Even to a storm, he would say, peace, be with you. And so peace is available in the person of Jesus Christ. Someone, you might have heard this saying that they said that, that peace is not the absence of conflict but rather it's the presence of someone. Peace is not the absence of turmoil. It's not the absence of troubles. It's not the absence of conflict. It's not the absence of adverse circumstances. But peace is the presence of Spirit of Jesus Christ within me. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. And so regardless of, of the trial, regardless of the, of the circumstance, regardless of the trouble that comes against me, I can and do have peace in the person of Jesus Christ. The Spirit of Christ lives in you and peace is available to you right now. If we go to John chapter 14, verse 27, we see one of these moments, talking about Jesus, right? And so he says this, John chapter 14, verse 27, he says, Peace I leave with you, 
my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And so we saw in the Old Testament, the word peace means shalom. And we said it means welfare, completeness or soundness. In the, in the New Testament, the, the word peace is irene. It's just it's like weird stuff. Anyway, irene. And it means this. It means quietness and it means rest. And so in Christ, in Jesus, found in this Prince of Peace, found in the kingdom of God, of the Spirit of Christ who lives and dwells within me. In Him, there is a place of rest for my mind. Where I don't have to have just these thoughts. You can't sleep at night because these thoughts are going over and over and over and over in your head. Jesus says, peace. He says, rest. See, a mind at rest is a mind free from anxiety. Remember, he bore our griefs. He bore our anxieties on the cross. We said this morning that word anxiety means to be, it literally means to be pulled apart in opposite directions. And we can think of the analogy when the, the disciples are in the boat, it says, crossing over to the other side and it says this huge storm, this huge tempest rises up and the waves are, are battering them and the wind's blowing them wherever they want to. And Jesus, he's busy sleeping in the boat and they wake him up and he speaks to the storm. He says, peace, be still. And that's what anxiety feels like. There's this storm going on in your head. And the waves are pulling you this way and this way and the winds are, are blowing you and you, you're uncertain and you're unstable and you, you don't know what's happening and you don't know where to go. But the master, the prince of peace, stands up inside of you and he speaks to the storm in your mind. He speaks to the anxiety. He speaks to the stress. He says, peace, be still. And so anxiety is not good and it's not God. Just as Jesus paid the price, I'll say it again, for your salvation, he paid the price for the healing of your body, he paid the price for the rest and the peace of your mind. In Jesus, there is rest for your mind. I'm gonna ask Caleb to come up, but I wanna read two more scriptures. The first one is this in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 29. It says, come to me all who labor. That word labor means toil of the body and toil of the mind. Come to me, all who labor and who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And listen to this, and this is the peace of God. This is the peace of Jesus. And you will find rest. 
for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Second passage of scriptures in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. is casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. I read again, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And so in both of these verses, the, the operative word, it's on us. First, he says, you come. You who are toiling in your mind, you who are anxious, you who are fearful, come. He invites us into his space. He invites us into his peace and he asks us to make a step forward. In 1 Peter chapter five, again, the emphasis is on us. He says, you cast your anxieties onto him. That word cast would be, it's like a fishing term where these guys, they, they cast their nets. That's what he's saying. He's throw your anxieties at the feet of Jesus. Cast your anxieties, cast your sorrows, cast your depressions at the feet of Him. Come to Him. And when you do, it's like, throwing off a cloak. It's like you're wearing a heavy garment that's been put on your shoulders. Maybe you've been wearing it for many years now. And it's a moment of freedom. It's a moment of life where I can come to Him, this Prince of Peace. And He says, take it off. Take off the heavy cloak and cast it at his feet. And it's in that moment that you will experience him, that you will experience peace. And so I say again, peace is available for you right now. Anxiety is not your portion. Fear is, is not, you know, heard nonsense like saying, depression is your friend. You, know, you must embrace it. You must live with it. Rubbish. It's not your, it's not your thing of life, you know. Well, my mother suffered with anxiety and so I suffer with anxiety. Nonsense. This is not the cross. This is not what he died for. It brings him no pleasure to see his children suffering. You think he, he gets excited when he sees you full of anxiety? No. What gets him excited is to see you full of peace, full of joy, full of the life that he paid for. And so I'm gonna ask everyone to close their eyes and we're gonna take a moment. I don't know what's going on in your mind this evening. I don't know where you are. Maybe you do suffer with anxiety. Maybe you do suffer with fear, depression. 
Maybe it's another mental illness. Or maybe there's just something that's worrying you and you can't get it off your back. He invites you. He says, come. And He says, cast your anxieties. Cast your burdens. That thing which is keeping you awake at night, He says, cast it unto me. Come unto me and I will give you rest. And so between yourself and Him, whatever those things are, just give it to Him tonight. You're not designed to carry it. You know the result of you trying to carry it. He carries it for us. That's what the cross was. He carried the cross. Before he was crucified, he carried the cross. He carried it. He put it on his shoulder. He puts your anxieties on his shoulder. He puts your fear on His shoulder. He puts your depression on His shoulder. He puts it on the cross. That's where it goes. It's not your cross to carry. Your cross is to love Him. Your cross is to be obedient to the Word. And so whatever that thing is, whatever that condition is, no matter how long you've had it, give it to Him. That stress, give it to Him. That worry, give it to Him.